Chapter 48 of The Story of the World, A Simple History for Boys and Girls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Wayne Cook. The Story of the World, A Simple History for Boys and Girls by Elizabeth O'Neill. Chapter 48 Our World Today. Our world today is very different from the world of even a hundred years ago. Children, who have not had time to see many changes, can hardly understand how different it is. A hundred years ago, steam engines were only just being thought of. Before that, things had to be carried along rough roads and wagons from place to place. People who were rich enough traveled on horseback or in carriages, and for ordinary travelers in the 18th century, there were stagecoaches which traveled between the biggest towns very slowly and painfully, for all over England and other countries, too, the roads were very bad. Now, when we want to go to another town, we step into a railway train which carries us there at the rate of from 30 to 60 miles an hour. Even when the roads had begun to be made better, and the ruts four foot deep, got rid of toward the end of the eighteenth century, it took three whole days for a letter to be carried from Bath to London. Now we can post a letter in any town in England or Scotland and know that it will reach London by the next morning. In those days, families did not break up and scatter all over the world. When they did, it was very difficult for them to get news of each other. Even after Queen Victoria began to reign in England, People had generally to pay at least a shilling for a letter to be sent to another part of England. But then it was arranged that letters could be sent to any part of the British Isles for a penny. And now a penny stamp will carry a letter to our friends in any of the British colonies, so that, though people are separated by such enormous distances, they feel in some ways nearer to each other than people in different parts of England did a hundred years ago. The first real passenger train began to run in England in 1830. It went at the rate of 20 miles an hour, which seemed very terrible and dangerous to people then, and, sad to say, one man was killed on the opening day of this railway between Liverpool and Manchester. Now our express trains go at the rate of 60 miles an hour. By this time, it was found that steam could be used to drive ships instead of waiting for wind to fill their sails. It was thought very wonderful when a steamer called the Great Western crossed the Atlantic from Bristol to New York in 15 days. Now it is regularly done in a week. More wonderful than the discovery of steam was that of electricity. Through it, people can send messages by telegram so that news can be had in a few minutes from places miles away, and through its use on the telephone, people can speak to each other from place to place, even from cities so far apart as Paris and London. Cables, enclosing telegraph wires, have been laid down on the ocean floor from England to America, and cablegrams can be sent so that in a few hours people in any part of America can have news from friends in Europe. Submarine cables are now laid between many places all over the world. But in the last few years, 
an inventor called Marconi has discovered that messages can be sent by electricity between two instruments without any wires at all. This would have seemed like magic to people a hundred years ago. It is a very wonderful and important discovery. Already it has been very useful. Ships in distress which have wireless instruments can ask for help from other ships miles away. It was through the wireless messages by Phillips, the heroic telegraphist on the great steamer the Titanic, which was wrecked in 1912, that help came from the Carpathia, and the people who had been got into the lifeboats before the steamer sank were saved. Almost like magic, too, it seems that photographs can also be sent by electricity, so that photographs of a football match or any interesting event can be sent from the place it has happened in, such as Leeds or Manchester, and the pictures will be published in the London evening papers an hour or two later. The daily newspaper, again, is a thing that was quite new to our great-grandfathers. There were daily papers in London at the end of the 18th century, but they were few and expensive. After the middle of the 19th century, they became common in other large towns, and now very few people feel quite happy without their morning and evening paper, in which they may read the things that have happened all over the world the day before, things the news of which would have taken weeks and months and even years to come to us before the days of telegrams. Electricity is used, of course, for light and heat, and new houses nearly everywhere have electric light, while even gaslight was not known a hundred years ago when people used candles or oil lamps. In the last few years, too, it has been discovered that man can travel through the air quicker and more smoothly than by the quickest express trains. The great invention of the airship has come to us within the last few years. Every few weeks some improvement is made, and airmen are learning to manage their ships more easily. But as yet, things are only at the beginning, and already many brave airmen have lost their lives, as brave pioneers must often do. People talk of the days when nations will no longer fight at sea with the great ironclad warships, which also were first built in the 19th century, but will fight their battles in the air with fleets of airships. Balloons were invented at the end of the 18th century. In them also, men can go through the air. But at first they could only go like sailing ships in the direction in which they were sent by the wind. Now, however, in the last few years, airmen have discovered how to make balloons go in any direction they wish. And the dirigible balloons are thought to be more useful by many people than even airships. Several airmen have now crossed the English Channel and prizes are being offered for the first flight right round England and Scotland, and the first flight across the Atlantic. So we live in a world of change and adventure. Brave and clever people are doing wonderful things every day to try to make the world a more comfortable place. But even more wonderful than these changes in the things around us, changes most of which have begun in England and have spread all over the world, are the changes which have come over the minds of men. In most countries, now men may believe as they like, and religion is a matter for each person to settle for himself. This spirit of toleration and freedom is the thing which we ought to value most of all the things which make our world today different from the world of a hundred years ago. 
At the beginning of the 19th century, the laws against Catholics, which prevented them from taking part in the government of their countries, were withdrawn in England and Ireland. For hundreds of years, the Catholics in England and Ireland had been looked upon almost as criminals, and very hard laws had been passed against them. This was especially terrible in Ireland, where nearly all the people were Catholic. Up to this time, the Irish had had their own parliament, but only Protestants could sit in it or even vote for the people who became members of parliament. But now this has changed, and at last the Catholic Irish were given the ordinary rights of citizens. The Irish parliament was, however, given up, and Ireland, for the future, sent members to the English parliament, as Scotland had already done for a hundred years. Many of the Irish have never been pleased with this arrangement, and Ireland may soon have home rule again. But Catholic emancipation was only one sign of a new spirit which was passing over the world. The new democratic spirit is seen, too, in the education of children. In nearly all countries now, children are sent to schools which the governments keep up, so that even the poorest people can give their children a good education. A hundred years ago, very many of the people could not read or write at all, and especially miserable were the children of poor people in England at the end of the 18th century and the beginning of the 19th. In the second half of the 18th century, manufactures had grown very quickly in England. Things which had before been made by people in their homes in the country were now made much more quickly in great factories built in the towns. This was through the invention of new machines. It was now found that even children could help to work these machines, and little children of six and seven years old were crowded into the factories, working from early morning till dark. But soon this was changed. Laws were passed which said that children should no longer work in the factories until they were older, and then only for a few hours. Now no boy or girl is allowed to leave school until 14 years of age, and so every child has a chance of learning things that will help it to live a wise and happy life. The children of the British Empire, whether in Great Britain or the colonies, have also the joy of feeling that they belong to a great race, that all over the world people speaking their language and loving their country are living their lives in their own way. They can like and admire the people of other nations, but they cannot help loving the people of their own empire. It is this feeling of loyalty to the nation and the empire that led to the setting up of Boy Scouts in England, a great movement which has now spread to other countries. For while we wish that peace may be kept between the nations, we naturally feel determined to be ready to defend our empire if that peace is broken. In reading history, Children nearly always feel glad that they were born in their own time and not in the past, when there was so much cruelty and bloodshed. For, unfortunately, in many parts of the story of the world, it is tales of cruelty and intolerance which have to be told. But then, too, there are the tales of the heroes and saints and martyrs, the pioneers and discoverers, and all who have done their part to make our world today a better place. This is one of the great lessons of history, that we too should do our part honorably and well, and in reading the story of the world, think not only of the romance of the past and present, but 
of the Romance of the Future, too. End of section 48 End of The Story of the World, A Simple History for Boys and Girls by Elizabeth O'Neill